Hey guys, this is Erin from Roadrun Blonde, and I wanted to tell you about a new feature on ACAST that supports its artists. It's the supporter feature. Listeners to Roadrun Blonde can now donate and support the podcast. However, there's no subscription or commitment. You can just give whenever or whatever you'd like. It's completely up to you. Just find the support the show link in the show description on any episode. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay, and it takes less than 30 seconds. You can donate anonymously, or you can add a message that I can see. As a podcaster, everything comes directly out of my pocket. I don't get paid to podcast. It's just my passion. So anything is appreciated to keep the show going. Thank you so much, guys. And now on to the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Red Rum Blonde. This is a true crime podcast. Each week, I'll explore a case, the victims, the facts, and the mystery surrounding it. Some are solved, some remain unsolved. I'm your host, Erin Fleming. Welcome to Red Rum Blonde. So I have to apologize for being absent the past month with the podcast. I've just been dealing with some pretty hardcore depression. Nothing in particular going on. Just if you've had depression, you know. Just you get really depressed sometimes and there's no reason. I've been feeling a little bit better, obviously. So that's why I've been recording. But yeah, when you have depression, you don't want to do anything You don't want to, you know, research, you don't want to record, you don't want to write, and that's where I've been. So I feel, I feel bad because 
I haven't been doing anything. I've let the podcast slip. So this is a good sign. I'm actually recording. I built a new little soundproof studio for myself. So hopefully the sound is good. Um, So I just wanted to get that out there and hopefully I'll get back on track. Um, So that's that. You know, and unless you've been living under a rock, you've no doubt heard about what's going on with the R. Kelly scandal. So the RV singer is accused of having something like a sex cult with brainwashing and controlling young women. The news on this story pretty much changes daily. There's more and more info leaking out all the time. And the singer didn't really do himself any favors by appearing seriously unhinged in an interview with Gail King recently. He got up out of his chair, he shouted, he cried, all the while declaring his innocence. But I think he was protesting a little bit too much. He's not exactly making things look good for himself. I've known about his reputation for quite a while, so I wondered why it's taken so long for this to become a big public focus. You know, there's always been whispers about certain people in showbiz, and it seems like it's finally catching up to a lot of them. From Bill Cosby to Harvey Weinstein, we've all heard about their abhorrent behavior towards women. And finally, it seems like it's not being tolerated. I mean, I've known about these rumors for years, and I'm not even in the industry. So can you imagine how much celebrities and people in their crowd actually know? It also seems like documentaries are bringing attention to a lot of these rumors, making people pay attention. We just had the Michael Jackson documentary, and that's really making people reconsider and think what happened to his potential victims. We also had this six-part series, Surviving R. Kelly, which was watched by a lot of people, bringing the scandal into the spotlight. So I decided I was going to find out as much as I could about what's going on. I know a little bit, but not everything. So this week, I'm going to look into the life of R. Kelly. But I will give you a trigger warning. This episode will deal with various forms of abuse. So if you're triggered by anything in that vein, just maybe skip this episode. You have to remember this is an ongoing situation with women that are still in this dysfunctional relationship with him. So let me also state it's happening now. This is not all hard fact. There's going to be a lot of conjecture. There's going to be a lot of hearsay, speculation, unfounded statements. And it's all yet to go to a court of law. So some of the things that have gone to court are now kind of murky. And as always, before I get into a case, I do want to go into that person's background because I feel like a lot of their current actions are formed by their childhood. People aren't normally just born the way that they are. They're kind of molded and created. Bad behavior can't be excused by rough childhood or bad experiences, but it does explain a lot of a person's actions. And in this case, I do think it does. So R. Kelly was born Robert Sylvester Kelly on January 8, 1967 in Chicago, Illinois, and he's the third of four children. There's not much information out there about his father, who seems to have just ditched on his family. His mother, Joanne, raised the children on her own in a housing project in Chicago's Bronzeville area. So obviously he didn't have the easiest childhood. When he was about eight years old, he began to get sexually abused by a woman who was much older than he was. But he kept the abuse to himself, 
feeling ashamed. At that same time, a tragedy occurred that would forever stick with him. His first little girlfriend named Lulu drowned. There were a group of kids playing when fighting erupted, and Lulu somehow got pushed into a creek. The fast current swept her away while she yelled for Robert to help her. Her lifeless body was later found, and he said Lulu was his first musical inspiration. There's a pretty infamous story that at age 13, R. Kelly was shot when his bike was stolen. But his mother said the story was completely made up to cover up a suicide attempt. And this could all lead back to the sexual abuse that he supposedly suffered. So that same year, he entered Kenwood Academy. And even though he didn't graduate, it became the place he learned to love singing. His music teacher, Lena McLean, talked him into singing Stevie Wonder's Ribbon in the Sky in the school talent show. And then he is quoted as saying, it was like Spider-Man being bit by the radioactive spider. He knew that this was what he was meant to do. It was something special. I've read several places that he can't read and has an undiagnosed learning disability, which caused him to drop out of school. Kelly then began performing under the l tracks in Chicago with a group of friends. Together, they formed MGM, which stands for Musically Gifted Men. MGM got some small recognition on a television talent show called Big Break, and they won about $100,000. In around 1990, Kelly had another stroke of luck when Jive Records executive Wayne Williams heard Kelly singing at a backyard barbecue. He was then signed to Jive Records in 1991 at the age of 24 as a part of the vocal group Public Announcement. R&B and New Jack Swing was really big at the time, so it was perfect timing. Then a year later, Public Announcement's first album came out, and it didn't take long before it was certified platinum. But Kelly craved the limelight to himself, and he went solo in November of 93 with his album 12 Play. His single Bump and Grind spent 12 weeks at number one. The album was certified gold, going six times platinum. This propelled him into superstardom. He was also in hot demand as a producer, songwriter, and for his remixes. His main project was up-and-coming singer Aaliyah. He wrote and produced her debut album, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. Pretty interesting title because Kelly's protege was only 15 while he was 27, and they were romantically involved. The two were married in a secret ceremony on August 31, 1994 in Cook County. Aaliyah actually had to falsify her age as 18 in order to get married because the age of consent in Illinois is only 17. The two were introduced by her uncle when she was 12 years old. In February 1995, the marriage was annulled at the request of her family, despite the two claiming it never occurred. So here we start seeing the first signs of his alleged controlling behavior and his attraction to underage girls. Two years later, Aaliyah filed a lawsuit to have the marriage records expunged due to the fact that she was underage and had to lie on the marriage certificate. That marriage certificate was part of a lawsuit by a girl named Tiffany Hawkins against Kelly. In the 1996 lawsuit, she said she was only 15 when Kelly began a sexual relationship with her. And during the time of the relationship, Kelly would have been ages 24 to 27. 
So take that in, a 24-year-old with a 15-year-old. When she turned 18, the relationship ended, and it caused her such dismay that she slit her wrists. Luckily, she survived. A witness in that lawsuit claimed that that she also had a sexual relationship with Kelly, and she was only 14. That lawsuit was settled in 1998, but there was a confidentiality agreement signed, so we don't know the details. Kelly did get married in 1996 to Andrea Lee, who was a choreographer from his stage show, and she was also known as Puppy Dog. Together, they had three kids. Her family told the Sun-Times that they were not allowed to visit nor speak to Andrea on the phone. That same year, Kelly is arrested after a fight in Lafayette, Louisiana. He and three guys on his entourage fought with men at a local health club. Later that year, his single, I Believe I Can Fly, is released to amazing success. So even if you don't know R. Kelly, you know that song. In 1997, his mother Joanne died from cancer. And Kelly, who was very close to his mother, was obviously distraught. He declared he found Jesus on stage and devoted himself to the Lord. That same year, he settled his lawsuit over the health club brawl out of court. An anonymous woman claimed she met Kelly in 1999 during a shoot for his video, If I Could Turn Back the Hands of Time. She was 17 when she filmed this. And she said Kelly never told her of his marriage, which caused them to later split. There was also a former assistant who went on record as saying, the backstage area was always full of underage girls. In 2001, Tracy Sampson, a former intern at Epic Records, sued Kelly. She claimed that Kelly led her into, quote, an indecent sexual relationship when she was 17. And then she said she was treated as his personal sex object and then cast aside. Sampson said he controlled every aspect of her life. Their case was settled out of court. So we're starting to see a pattern here. A lot of legal trouble, relationships with girls who are way underage. His next legal troubles were with Patrice Jones in 2002. And she claimed Kelly promised her to get into the music business in return for sex with her and her 17-year-old friend. Jones was only 16 at the time. According to her, he picked her up on the night of her prom, during which she was impregnated. He then insisted on and paid for an abortion. But it had a very detrimental effect on her, causing her to require psychological care. There's a Sun-Times reporter who will pop up quite a few times in this story. His name's Jim DeRogatis. And he wrote about how women were coming forward, weren't taken seriously because they were black and female. And I agree, it's sad but true. He went on to write that the, had they been young white girls, it would have gotten more serious attention. So the same year as Patrice Jones, Kelly was sued by Montina Woods, who claimed she was videotaped having sex with Kelly without her knowledge. And adding insult to injury... A bootleg tape of these acts was being sold under the title R. Kelly Triple X for about $10 a pop. This case was another case that was settled out of court with a non-disclosure agreement. 
So 2002 was the year he almost did not get away with his antics. An anonymous videotape was sent to the Chicago Sun-Times, and reporter Jim DeRogatis then gave it to the police. This tape allegedly shows Kelly having sex with an underage girl and then urinating in her mouth. He instructs her to call him Daddy on the tape, and it was verified as authentic by the FBI. The age of the girl in the video is thought to be 14. So this is very problematic. He likes really young girls. This court case drug on for six years, in which time R. Kelly's success wasn't marred at all by this controversy. During that time, he came out with a very strange Trapped in the Closet song. There were 33 chapters to the song. I remember when it came out. It was so bizarre. There were different chapters released at different times, and the basic plot is a guy named Sylvester, and he has a one-night stand with a woman. As he prepares to leave her house, her husband comes home, and he hides in the closet. I thought it was super bizarre at the time it came out. Ultimately, the jury couldn't say whether the girl on the tape was a minor, so Kelly was found not guilty. It was a pretty big court case. Now we jump to present day. The lawyer that defended him at the time claims that he was, quote, guilty as hell and that his former client is not a very bright person. Regardless, he got his client off and by speaking out now, he's violating attorney-client privilege. Other claims are that he had Kelly go to a doctor for libido-killing shots during the trial. Ed Jensen said he felt compelled to come forward after seeing the interview with Gail King. And since he's dying of bile duct cancer, he's not afraid of the repercussions. But let's get back to where we were in the past. Sometime after this trial, where he was found not guilty, he was charged with 12 counts of child pornography in Florida. Police had seized a camera, which showed him having sex with an underage girl. But his defense argued that police didn't have probable cause to search his home, and those charges were dropped. A woman named Kim Delaney, who was a former member of his inner circle, published a book in 2003, which was called Starstruck, an American Epidemic. Although this is a work of fiction, the story is a thinly veiled account of what she saw while she was in his inner circle. She told the Sun-Times that she thinks her friend... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today and has a sickness. 
And let's not forget, during all this, R. Kelly was married. In 2005, his wife filed an order of protection after being physically abused after saying she wanted a divorce. She then later retracted the order. She told Essence Magazine in an interview that she fully supported her husband and all the rumors about him were false. The next year, his brother made some startling allegations. Carrie Kelly said R. Kelly offered him $50,000 to say that he was the man on the tape with the minor. He said his brother had a problem being attracted to underage girls. He also declared his brother was very abusive towards women, especially his wife. So now we're in October of 2006. A lawsuit was filed against Kelly by his former mentor, declaring that he was attacked during a party and also owed money for a song. Now, we all know the sex cult rumors of today, but at this time in history, it wasn't really out there. I found an interesting tidbit in 2008. His former spokeswoman, Regina Daniels, and her husband, George, split from Kelly, saying that he had crossed a line with their daughter. And although their daughter was 21, they said Kelly had her in his trap. Not a huge deal, but one of the first instances that I could find in my research of his kind of future-like cult dealings. So 2017 became the year of the alleged sex cult. Jim DeRogatis, the journalist that I mentioned earlier, published a story accusing Kelly of manipulating young women who come to him with help in their music careers. From there, they enter into a sexual relationship, and then he takes complete control over their lives. Every aspect is controlled by him, from what they eat and sleep, to how they dress and where they go. He then separates them from their families, barring any kind of contact. And these allegations were supported by three former employees and parents of the women involved with Kelly. The women involved have denied the claims, insisting that they are with Kelly of their own free will. But the article started making some waves in the press, and women formerly involved with Kelly started coming forward. We have Geronda Pace, who had signed a non-disclosure pact, but she bravely came forward. She said Kelly had sex with her when she was underage. So then there's Kitty Jones, who's a popular DJ, that said she was starved, physically abused, and then forced into sexual situations with other females. If you want to read a really good article, there's a Rolling Stone one about Kitty Jones. And it's where I got all this information about her. And she was a bit different from the other girls because she had her own career and she wasn't dependent on getting Kelly's help. After some light flirtation, Kitty recalled that on their second meeting, Kelly came into her hotel room and he immediately began pleasuring himself. Now, at the time, she remembers thinking that was pretty odd, but, you know, she just went with it. However, during sex, she said he was like a drill sergeant, telling her exactly what to do. But despite her apprehensions, she continued seeing him. She realized that part of hanging out with Kelly involved members of his entourage not engaging with her in any way, which was another thing that she found odd. And this included her or any other woman that was involved with him. But, you know, he did the thing where he confided in her and he treated her special, so the relationship went on. 
Kitty ended up quitting her job and she moved in with him. And then that's when the reality of the situation really set in. He told her about his friends and, quote, the girls I've raised. Now, this is a phrase that he ends up using quite a few times, and it has a very creepy connotation. Kelly made her dress sloppily when she went out, and she had to text him for everything, including needing to go to the bathroom. She had to stand when he entered the room and greet him as daddy. And then things got physical. He kicked and slapped her during one fight. He would take away her phone as punishment, which caused starvation because she had no way to ask for food. Now, there were other women in the home at the time, but they didn't have any kind of contact with each other. Each was secluded to their own room, and they didn't interact. Each was being classically abused by Kelly. The only time that they would see another woman was when he forced them to perform sexual acts on each other. Now, many times people scoff at abusive relationships. They ask, why would the person stay? Well, there's a variety of reasons. That person has worked them over mentally and emotionally. The abuser makes them feel like they're dependent on them. And many times the fear of more abuse is another thing that keeps them from leaving. As Kitty was quoted as saying, you have to actually be there to know exactly what it felt like for a person to overpower you and make you feel like there's nothing for you outside of him. Finally, after months of severe sexual and physical abuse, she left. She didn't even take her possessions. She just took off out of there. Her story mirrors many told by other women involved with R. Kelly. The parents of 22-year-old Jocelyn Savage have contacted Kitty, seeking her advice because their daughter is living with the singer currently in the same situation that Kitty was in. However, Jocelyn has claimed that she's there on her own free will, and with being an adult, there's nothing you can do about that. But Jocelyn was introduced to a Faith Rogers as one of the girls that he was, quote, raising. So that gives you another creepy idea of what's going on with her. Faith met Kelly in 2017 after one of his concerts, and they soon became involved. She said he would lock her in a van or in rooms for hours at a time. He gave her herpes during the three years they were together. And just like those before her, Faith said Kelly mentally, sexually, and verbally abused her. During their first sexual encounter, he made her have sex against her will, and then he asked her age, saying she looked somewhere around 14 or 15. And like others, she said he would have many times be sweet or crying or confiding in her. So now we hop to 2018 and the age of social media. The hashtag MuteRKelly campaign is used to get RCA to drop the R&B artist admits the claims that he's something of a pervert. The pressure of the claims causes lawyer, publicist, and personal assistant to quit. So finally, we arrive to the documentary in 2019 that blew the lid off everything. The six-part series really gets into it. There's some astonishing testimony from women he allegedly abused, as well as the parents of families of women he's currently involved with that are in this cult. The documentary had a huge impact. He was dropped by his record company and tour dates were canceled. On February 22nd, he's charged with 10 counts of aggravated 
criminal sexual abuse of four women, three of whom were underage at the time. Kelly turned himself into police. His bail was set at a million dollars, and Kelly had a pretty hard time raising the bond. He said that his money has been mismanaged and that he's basically broke. But, you know, people aren't too sympathetic to his pleas. I did hear, though, that an admirer paid the bail, and he's out. Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox, has called for others to come forward if they've seen abuse or have been abused by R. Kelly. But it may be hard to make any charges stick. His attorneys will most likely point to the fact that women voluntarily entered into the relationship with him. Kim Melman or Roscoe, who is an author and expert in sex trafficking cases, said she's amazed by the similarities in the things that she saw in surviving R. Kelly series and stories told by convicted sex traffickers, such as not allowing the women to speak to each other. Now, Andrea, his wife, divorced Singer in 2009. She now says that he physically, emotionally, and sexually abused her and that she was even afraid he would kill her. But, you know, there was a time when she denied the abuse, which makes the concern for women currently living with him even more dour. These women are insisting that they're there of their own free will and are consenting adults, but they are most likely living that same horrible existence that his ex-wife, Kitty Jones, and others have lived. Julie Owens, a domestic violence expert, told Vox Magazine, that what she's heard sounds like textbook abuse in the form of sex trafficking because they are so isolated and cut off from other people who can give them a different perspective or insight or help bonds them to their abuser. Because the abuser is the person who is a threat, they are also the one who can keep the victim safe by not hurting them. The victim works to keep the abuser happy so things don't escalate. So that's kind of what I was saying earlier. This person really works you over emotionally, mentally, so you feel dependent on them. Each episode of Surviving R. Kelly got about 2.1 million viewers. And other artists have voiced their displeasure in him, like John Legend. And then Lady Gaga and Chance the Rapper have declared that they regret even working with him. And I hope this is truly sincere and not just because they've been drawn out in the public by this, too. And like I said earlier, there's news happening in the case almost every day. Most recently, there was a man that came forward saying he found an old videotape that contains footage of Kelly having sex with young girls. But this is yet to be verified, so I don't know if this is real or not. I think celebrity attorney Michael Avenatti is representing him. He was Stormy Daniels' attorney, and he's in his own hot mess over extortion or something. So I'm not sure if this is the same tape or guy, but regardless, if it this may bring charges if it is verified. I guess CNN had a hold of the tape, and Avenatti said his client knows the identity of the girl. And there was someone at the New Yorker who has seen the tape, and they describe what happens on there more like a rape than a sexual encounter, which is horrifying to think of. Best case scenario, Kelly will get jail time. And I would have to think that some kind of testimony from one or more of these women would convict him of something. 
but without a paper trail, it's pretty much a he said, she said case. And if he would spend any kind of significant amount of time in jail, hopefully this would give some of these families time to get these girls out of his grasp. I personally have known somebody that was in a cult-like experience. This was religious, not sexual. So I know that brainwashing is very real. The person I knew was very brainwashed, and it took years for any kind of normalcy to be obtained. And the people that were in this group that I'm talking about went to great lengths to get this person back when they left the group. It's a pretty personal relationship, so I'm not going to go into any kind of details, but I'm just trying to say I've seen the effects that these groups can have over somebody that, you know, a cult-like person or group can have over somebody. It's pretty scary. So I hope these girls can get free, and I hope the women who have dealt with him can deal with their healing from this abuse. And man, I hope justice comes for him. I mean, I hate to get out there and say whether somebody's guilty before they've been tried. But man, he I really think he's guilty. Anyway, like I said before, this is still being tried in a court of law. So it's all alleged. It's, you know, it's not fact. Let's just keep that in mind. Even though I said I think he's guilty. <laughs> Anyways. I want to welcome some new members to the Red Rum Blonde Facebook group. I want to welcome Allison, Sonia, and Conchata. I really get super excited when anyone joins, seriously. And many of you have commented and said that you're binging the other episodes. I mean, I swear, when I read these comments and I'm feeling down and not sure anyone's listening, this does it for me. So thank you so much. It really makes my day. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to. I can check my metrics on Acast, and they're pretty good. I don't understand the metrics on iTunes, so, but I feel like I'm doing okay. I'm getting out there. <laughs> I'm actually recording, so, man, that's a huge step for me. Check me out on Twitter. I try to give shout-outs to my favorite podcast now and then on there, so you might find some other true crime podcasts that you really like. You can find me at Blonde Red Rum. I'm also on Instagram, and I try to post pictures relating to the week's case. And, of course, I'm on Facebook. There's the regular Facebook page and the group that you can join and discuss. So thanks so much for listening, guys, and putting up with me, and catch you next week. <laughs>